Because God has been so good to us. We have so many blessings. Now, having said that, I would like to look, we're not going to look, we're still in 1 Peter, we're not going to look at the book of Job. But I would like to think about Job, this man that God loved, this man that God bragged about and said, look at my servant Job, look at how righteous he is. And the challenge that God was given, yeah, but if you take away all his good stuff, he won't thank you for it, he won't praise you for it. And, and yet, Job did, even in the midst of the suffering. And so my question, thinking about Job, and thinking about this upcoming Thanksgiving, and what we have to be thankful for, my question, are we fair-weather Christians? Are we just in it for the good stuff, for the blessings? Or can we be thankful to God, even in the difficult times, even in the suffering? Let me take it one step further, maybe even because of the sufferings. This is a tough, this is a tough subject. Um, too often, we grumble for the sufferings that we are in. When the times get tough, we grumble to God and complain to God. And when the times are good, we don't talk with Him. We don't thank Him for it. For the good times, we go on about our day, and we only pray to Him when things are going wrong, when things are going right. We never say thank you. We just get on with our day. Why is that? that so my, I have two sisters and a mother who loved good, clean, wholesome family movies, and I grew up on every single Disney movie that, that, that they produced that were probably not very guy-oriented. Thank you to my two sisters. So saw The Parent Trap and saw uh, uh, Sound of Music and Mary Poppins and, 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 uh, and, and Pollyanna. Did you guys ever see Pollyanna? So Pollyanna was, I think it was a Disney movie. Uh, Pollyanna was this girl who was the most ultimate optimist ever. And the entire point of the movie was that she couldn't say anything bad, and she just cheered up this town that she was in by her presence. And one guy said, you can't, say, you can't just make, you, you can't make everything good. You know, what is there good to say about crutches? And her response was, I'm not on them. Um, <laughs> that, it's a great Christian attitude, to be quite. We, we should be able we should be grateful to God for the things that we have right in our life and not just look to the things that are wrong. We, we should think, yeah, yeah we have, all of us have something going wrong in our life, but we've got a whole lot of things going right in our life more. Life is hard. It, it, it is hard. I don't want to trivialize the hardships of our life and say, well, at least you're not you know, foraging for... for Nuts and berries in Africa could be worse. I don't want to trivialize our own struggles. Life can be pretty tough sometimes. But, but when the going gets tough, are, are we mad at God? Because God says in his word that it will not always be easy, that we will have struggles, that we will suffer, that, the diffi- that there will be tough times, hard times. And he says be ready for that. But he also says uh, he's with us through these tough times. We all face troubles and trials. Sometimes we suffer because we live in a fallen world. Again, I still like the, uh, it's a depressing statistic, but I still like the statistic. I did my my missionary work in in the jungles of of Papua New Guinea. The leading cause of accidental death in Papua New Guinea is falling coconuts. Every tree is a coconut tree. When you have that many coconuts, they fall. 
they hit people. People die. Uh, if the bowling ball dropped from 100 feet up, 50 feet up in the air, it will kill you. Um, you know, that's just the cost of living in Papua New Guinea. It's not that God caused that. That's just the cost of living. There will always be car accidents. There will always be falling coconuts. There will always be colds and flus, and now we have a new one. There will always be things that go wrong in the world, lightning strikes. and This is just the, the, the cost of living in a fallen world. Um, things will go wrong. We are not promised in this life that nothing bad will ever happen to us. Sometimes we suffer because it's a fallen world. Sometimes we suffer because we're Christians, trying to do the right thing. And Satan, who is the prince of this world, hates us and wants to derail us and wants to ruin our relationship with God. And because of that, Satan sometimes targets us. Sometimes things go wrong and it's hard to tell which is which. It's hard to tell if being a Christian is why we're going through the tough times or it just happened and it's nobody's fault. Some, sometimes I'm, I'm the fault. Some, sometimes I do something wrong and I'm paying the consequences of, of my wrong actions. Uh, I, I have to say that I'm not sure that it always matters which of those three, whether it's just a natural accident or whether I did it bad or whether somebody did it to me. I sometimes, I don't know that it matters so much the source, but how do I get through it? How do I, how do I as a Christian display Christ in my suffering? When we suffer, am I Christ-like in my character, biblical, or am I bitter and ungrateful and complaining that the barista spelled my name wrong? Peter has words for us. Peter's words in, in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you're blessed, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any other kind of criminal, or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. For it is time for judgment to begin with the family of God. And if it begins with the family of God, and and if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved... What will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Peter says rejoice in, in suffering. Be thankful for, for suffering that is Christ-like, be, be caused because we are Christians. So, Let's, let's go past thanking God for the good things. I, I want to do that. I always want to do that. I want to thank Him for the good things in my life. But, but that's easy. Any, anybody can, can be thankful for the good things in their life. The harder message, can we thank God for the tough times as well? Peter says that suffering is predictable. We, sh- we, sh- we should know that it's coming. I mentioned a week or two ago that we have this, this non-Christian concept of 
this Hindu concept, frankly, of karmic debt, that, if I, you know, that, that there is a cause and effect, and if I do something wrong, something bad will happen to me. And, and therefore, if I'm going through a tough time in my life, maybe I did something wrong. Um, uh, if, if things are wrong in my life, it must be my fault. Um, I didn't pray hard enough. I didn't give enough to the church. I didn't treat my wife or my kid or my dog correctly. Um, it's all karma. It, it, it balances out. It's a very non-Christian way of looking at things. Job dispels that instantly, that Job, who had a wonderful, uh, wonderful relationship with God, was, was godly in his character, so godly that God bragged on him. Man, I would love to be that, that godly, that God is impressed. Um, Job uh, has terrible things happen to him because he's godly. He suffered because he was righteous. And you know what? When I look through the Bible, I look at Abraham and Moses, and David, and the prophets, and the apostles, and Jesus himself. And I see that all of my heroes in the Bible suffered. They didn't have easy lives. And they suffered because they were drawing close to God. Peter says, don't be surprised. But I usually am. When things go wrong, God, why is this happening to me? I um, went on vacation a, uh, a couple months ago and... I despise, I know that this is being pod, podcasted. I like the people of Indiana. I hate the state. I hate driving in Indiana. There are, out of 50 states in the U.S., I, I, there have been times, there was once that we had to go from Illinois to Ohio, and I was so sick of the Indiana roads that we went through Kentucky. I, I, I could not bear to drive through Indiana. It's the roundabouts. We broke away from England, so we didn't have to have roundabouts. <laughs> They're evil. And so I'm driving back from Indiana, and I miss, and I miss an exit because the stupid roads crossed. They, 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 there was this road, I can show you, I was, on the, I was on the left side of the road, and the people that were facing me were on the right side of the road, they crossed the traffic. And then it goes into a roundabout with five exits, which means they're not north, south, east, and west. I had no idea where I was going, and the guy in front of me stopped. And I'm trying to figure out where I'm going, so I hit him. And so my, my car was in the shop last week. That's the third time they've replaced the front end. My car insurance has to hate me. That's the third time they've replaced my front end in the last two years. The first one was a raccoon. The second one was a snow accident. I'm getting tired of seeing those guys. They're not. They, they said thank you for the repeat business. Um, and I say, God, why is this happening? Do you, why, why do you hate my Chevy Sonic so much that you keep destroying it? But I don't think it's God. I, you know, it, we, that's, not even, that's not even suffering for being, a, for being a Christian. That's just living in a fallen world. But even more so, when you do the right thing and something bad happens to you, you we say, God, where were you? I thought, I thought doing the right thing, you would reward me. I thought, I thought you know, I, I had the chance to, te- to, to tell a lie and, 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 or, or, or tell the truth, and I told the truth, and I got in trouble for telling the truth. Aren't you supposed to reward me for doing the right thing? But that is actually kind of the opposite, isn't it, of what the Bible says? That doing the right thing... We look at all these heroes in the Bible, and when they did the right thing, they were attacked for it. Because Satan hates us when we do the right thing. John Wesley. I love the story of John Wesley. There was a point in John Wesley's life. Um, John Wesley being the inventor of like Sunday school and the Methodists. Um, John Wesley, great, great British preacher... Um, 
was 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 heading from head, heading off to preach somewhere, and and kind of got to thinking on the road. Life's been kind of easy lately. I haven't been attacked for anything lately. That may not be a good sign. If Satan doesn't think I'm much of a threat to him, then then maybe I'm not doing my job very well. My my message. Of, of abandoning sin should be controversial to the world at large. I, I should, my life should not go easy as a preacher. Maybe, I, maybe I'm not right with God. And so he was on his, he was on his horse, and so he, he got off the horse, and he got on his knees, and he prayed, God, if I'm, if I'm doing something wrong, that my life is so easy, that Satan doesn't need to bother attacking me, and that everybody's pleased, the world is pleased with my message, tell me that I'm in the wrong. Help me know that I'm not right with you and that my message isn't right. Meanwhile, this is such a funny story because Wesley tells the story. Um, meanwhile, there was a farmer who was walking along the side of the road and went, there's that preacher I hate. And he picked up a rock and he threw it at him. Uh, and Wesley concluded with his prayer to God with, thank you, God, okay, that, that's what I needed. Um, I, maybe, we should, maybe we should get that, that that if we're right with God, the world should hate us. And the world should take pot shots at us. If we're, if, we're, if we're biblical and all the heroes of the Bible had rough lives, who are we to say that we should have easy lives, that God, that God owes us? This, this is the false gospel of televangelists, this prosperity, health and wealth gospel that says that if you're doing everything right, you will, God, God owes you, making you rich, and that you will get everything going swimmingly in your life. There's nothing biblical about that. It doesn't line up with, he, with, with Peter. It doesn't line up with the words of Jesus. It doesn't line up with anything we see in the Old Testament. Um, it, it, suffering is part of the job, and it doesn't mean that God hates you or disappointed with you. That's not fun. I'm not saying that we're masochists, that we go out and look for suffering. Um, but being part of that, in fact, in verse 17, Peter says, and here's the trick, judgment will begin with the house of God. It starts with us. God cleans house before he, you know, we, we have this idea, God, deal with those guys. Ignore my sin, but deal with those guys outside of the church. But if anything, Peter reverses that order and says it's time for judgment to begin with the house of God. Um, oh, yeah, the wicked are going to get what they deserve. I, I, I'm not, God is a just God. But he's, gonna, but he's going to deal with me first. Um, God cleans house before he cleans someone else's house. Are we ready for that? We know that Jesus is coming back, second coming to judge the world. Um, we know throughout the Bible, it's just from beginning to end, that his, God's people will face persecution in this world. It should not surprise us. It is predictable. It is, it is also a way of participating in, participating in, 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 in the life of Christ. Peter says to rejoice as we participate in the sufferings of Christ. Um, how, how do we participate in this? How, how is this called participation and, and why? When we suffer, at least in part, we remember that he suffered on our behalf. And because he was fully human, we know that he gets it. He feels what we feel. Christ was put to death and we are called to put to, to death ourselves, our sinful nature. And so I had somebody get mad at me yesterday. Um, on somebody I've, uh, 
somebody that I've been interacting with on the internet um, got got really mad at me and really kind of went off on me in ways that that I haven't been been uh, uh, spoken to in a while. And I had some of my friends kind of kind of want to jump to my defense and, and get really mad and, and go off. I said, just, just, I have no ego in this. Just drop it. He doesn't want to deal with me anymore. He doesn't want to talk to me anymore. It's not a big deal. It's, it, it's just a person. It's just a person getting mad. If I can try to be Christ-like and put to death my own ego, what a relief that I don't have to be stressed about that, that I can walk away from it. And if, and if, and if people are mad uh, at me, it's not about me. I just want to display Christ. And, that, and, and, and my goal is to be Christ-like in all that I do. And I don't usually succeed at this. I'd love to say that I'm always act Christ-like, but the Christian walk is learning to act like that and, and praying, God, help me to act Christ-like and put my ego behind me. If Christ was put to death for me, can I put to death myself and my own, my own ego and my own desires uh, and treat people the way God wants me to treat people? Will... Can I participate in his suffering? 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. Paul says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives... So also through Christ, our comfort overflows. If we are distressed, it's for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings that we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. If those who share in Paul's suffering share in his comfort, how much more so when we share in the comfort of uh, in the sufferings of Christ do we share in his comfort? When we suffer, Jesus is with us every step of the way. He shares with us as well. When we share with his suffering, we participate in the Christian walk with him. If we want to be Christ-like and our, and our Lord and Savior suffered, we, suffering is part of, of learning. It's part of that process of being transformed into the image of Christ. When we share in his work and in the life of his body, we get closer to him. Um, it, is, it is a participation in the nature of Christ. It is also, pro- it is also profitable at the end of the day. Peter says that we will be overjoyed when the glory of Christ is revealed, uh, that there is a purpose for our suffering, um, that, that we will be transformed. And so we say, wait, wait a second, is, is what Peter is saying that we will be overjoyed because of suffering? That's crazy talk to the world. And again, we know that the wisdom of God is foolishness to the world. That idea that we can be overjoyed in the face of suffering that, that is what Peter is saying. That, that, is, that is crazy talk, but it lines up with what Jesus said. Matthew chapter 5, verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. 
rejoice and be glad. Because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Somehow, Jesus and Peter seem to think that it's good to suffer. For being a Christian, and again, I'm not talking about cheating on your taxes. I'm not talking about doing things that come back on you. And if you commit a crime and the government comes to get you, that's not what we're talking about. When our Christ-like life, our desire to have a Christ-like life, brings us suffering, this is not that we're getting it wrong. This is, an, this is a reminder that, that this is what should happen. Be, it brings us something useful. It brings us joy. Absolutely, it brings us joy. And, and it, it's how we grow. It's how God is refining us and, and transforming us and purifying us. The suffering is to Christianity, and this is the image that the Bible uses, it's a refiner's fire. It, it's like purifying metal. Um, well, it doesn't have to be metal. I mean, you, the number of times I've been out camping and dropped my fork, and then so I'll just hold it in the fire and clean it off. I mean, we know that fire purifies. I, I did some, this is where Andrew, I probably should have touched base with you. You probably know a whale of a lot more about metallurgy than I do. Um, years ago in college, I, I tried to do some research on metal um, for, for a project I was working on and tried to figure out uh, uh, what is steel. I mean, I know it's a metal, and it's a, but they didn't have steel back in the old days, um, and, and we do now, and, and, and why is that? And I, and I tried to look into that, and steel Iron can be worked. Iron's not actually that that usable of a metal until you mix it with carbon. And and in the old, uh, you know, years ago, they would they they would they would mix it in a charcoal fire, and they would get the carbon worked in. And while they would talk about steel back then, it wasn't what we call steel because the carbon content was too high. These days, we would call it wrought iron. Now, wrought iron is great for fences. It's not so good for weapons uh, and war. Uh, these days. We can make steel, and the reason is our technology has improved, and we can get the temperature of the fire hotter. And because we can get the temperature of the fire hotter, we can work with the metal, and, we can, and, and it doesn't take as much carbon to make steel as it does wrought iron. Both wrought iron and steel are made from iron, but you, the, the less carbon you use, the hotter the fire needs to be. My research... Different websites, different things. But my research is that you need a fire of 2,000 to 2,500 degrees to be able to actually make steel. And the ancients couldn't do that. They couldn't do that in Rome and Greece. And you couldn't get a fire that hot. It takes, takes a special level of technology to... It takes technology to make really hot fires. Um, this, that level that the hotter the fire, the more the purity of the metal. Iron needs carbon to be useful, but you want the minimal amount. Too much carbon and you get wrought iron and it's brittle. But the hotter the fire, the less the impurity and the more that you can work with it and, and get something that's, that's really useful. Uh, and, and the comparison that Peter makes, uh, other places in the Bible as well, is that we are being refined. That, f- that fire that refines us is burning away the impurities but fire burns and it hurts and it's not easy. And, and so suffering, while it, it hurts, we talked about this last week with the hammer and the chisel, that God is chiseling away at us. 
hear the image is that he, the refiner's fire burns, but it's worth it because it's purifying us. We should expect the purifying fire, and, and, and dare I say, we should rejoice in it. Um, the, the, he's fixing us. And that's, I had, I, I slept terribly last night. I don't know if it's the weather shift. Every now and then I get migraines. One kicked in last night at 5 in the morning, woke me up, couldn't get back to sleep for a couple hours. Well, at that point, it's time to get ready for church almost. Um, migraine kicked in. The, one of the greatest feelings is when, the migra- is when a migraine finally breaks. It's such a good feeling. It's almost worth the migraine, almost. Um, when, when, that, when that migraine breaks and it just and it washes away and you think, oh, this is what it's like not to hurt. What a wonderful feeling. Um, that refining fire hurts in the process. But when we get through that suffering, we can look back and we can say, what a wonderful feeling that God used difficult times to show me his character and to show me how I can be like Jesus. Um, praise God that he is fixing us. Rather than complain about it, um, there is profit in, in suffering for being a Christian. And it's a privilege. Uh, if you are insulted, Jesus says, consider it blessed. Uh, Peter says this too. It sounds crazy, but it is a privilege to be a Christian. In, in, I, there, there are various apocryphal stories going around about some, some soldiers in the Roman Empire. Uh, the earliest record, St. Basil, talks about 40 soldiers under the, during the reign of the emperor Licinius who, in the time when the Romans were persecuting people for converting to Christ, uh, these 40 soldiers were told, you need to abandon Christ or you will be executed. And they refused. Their commanding officer did not feel comfortable with the idea of just chopping their heads off or, st- or stabbing his fellow soldiers. So in winter, he made them stand on a frozen lake and lit bonfires around the edges of the lake with the idea that he would melt the ice and they would drown in the winter lake and ordered them to stand on the lake uh, unclothed, uh, uh, naked, that that they would either die of frost or if the lake melted enough that they would fall in and die. uh, and, and Basil records this in 320 A.D., so, so it, clearly it happened. If it did, it happened before then. Um, the story is that every single one of them rejoiced. They were singing praise songs out on the lake at, un, un, until hypothermia got them and, and, they, and they collapsed. Um, in fact, the, the, the story goes, and whether this is true or not, there's no way to go back to the days of, of before St. Basil and find out. The story is that one of their fellow guards who wasn't a Christian was so overcome by their willingness to die for their faith that he had been considering it, considering it, and this was the final moment where he shed his armor and ran off to join them. Uh, to the world, that's insane. To the Christian we get this idea that it is, a, it is a blessing to suffer on behalf of Christ. That's very biblical. Um, Acts chapter 5, verse 41, the apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Do we recognize that to suffer for Christ is a privilege? Do we thank him for it? And again, I'm not trying to say, go out and try to get yourself persecuted. Go out and try to get yourself in trouble. Um, 
you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that it's fun, but do we recognize that it is a privilege when we suffer him? Peter, uh, another example, uh, Peter, uh, all tradition says that when, when the Romans decided, when Nero decided that, it, that Peter needed to die for being a Christian, you know, his, they, they said any last requests, and he said uh, they were going to crucify him. Any last requests, and his last request was, I, I don't, I'm not worthy to be crucified like my Lord. Crucify me upside down because I'm not even worthy to die as my Lord died. That, that level of recognizing that suffering for Christ is, is a privilege. It's said that Peter's last words were to his wife before, before he was led off to his execution, and she was going to be as well. Remember the Lord. Could we die for Christ? That too is a privilege. To live for Christ, that's even the harder part, isn't it? Dying as that great line from the great theologian Benjamin Sisko from Star Trek says, dying gets you off the hook. Living is the hard part. Can we live for Christ? Final thing I would say about this is that suffering is praiseworthy. We, we read that Pliny, uh, a governor uh, in, in the Roman days in Asia, um, the Roman governor of Asia, uh, as Christianity was flourishing and he was horrified by this, uh, he ordered people recant or be executed unless you were a citizen of Rome. This is what he said to the non-citizens. The citizens, I will just send you off in chains to Rome. But if you're not a citizen, so we're not even talking about this was a law for his people. It's a law for everybody, whether you were a Roman citizen or not. Recant or be executed or, or sent off into chains to Rome. Um, and, and, but but he, as he writes to the emperor, he says, this is what I found. He said, well, I've sent spies to their meetings and they, they make oaths that they will not break the laws. Now, so what did Pliny have? If they were making oaths in church, if they were saying, we will be good citizens, we will not break Roman laws, uh, what, why was he so upset with them? Uh, he still banned their meetings, and, and, and so they quit meeting in public. Uh, he, he still felt they were up to something, so he captured some of their women and tortured them, horrifying, uh, to find out what they were doing, and, and, and his report to the Roman emperor was, they don't like our gods. They think our gods are wrong. We need to destroy them. All, all because they simply, it, 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 they, they weren't undermining the government. They were simply different than, than Rome. And that's what they were hated for and tortured for. And so I go back to Job and I'm reminded of Job. That even though God took everything away from Job, and his friends said, curse God and die. Job's response was, God is praiseworthy. Even in the midst of all of this suffering, he's still God. And even if he takes everything from me, he's still God and he's still worthy of praise. And, I'm, and to paraphrase Job terribly, I'm not in it just for the good times. I'm in it not because he gives me stuff, but because he is God. And that's the only reason to be in it for this is a tough teaching. Are we Christians because of the reward? Or as Francis Chan says, do we love God because of his stuff? Or do we love God? If we love God because he is God, then the rewards aren't the point. Would we praise him? This is Francis Chan's question. Would we praise him even if there was no heaven? That's, it, it's, a, it's a tough question. Um, are we in it because we want God's stuff? We want to die and live in his house? Or are we in it because when we die, we want to live with God? 
Would we praise Him if there was no heaven? It's easy to thank somebody for a gift. Non-Christians can do that. Can we praise God simply because He's praiseworthy, not because of what He gives us? Thanksgiving is when we generally thank God for the good things in life, and that's good. We want to do that. But can we praise Him for the bad stuff? When things go wrong, can we still praise God anyway? He, he may be teaching us, informing us, and building us. And even if He's not doing that, He's still God, and He's still worthy of my praise. He is worthy of my praise even in the suffering. Now, the best part is we don't have to have that hypothetical question. Can we praise God even if there was no heaven? Yes, but the good news is we don't have to even contemplate that really because there is a heaven, and we know that God loves and rewards those that follow him. But we want to make sure that it's not his stuff that we're in love with. It's not the rewards that we're in love with, that we're in love with him. Um, knowing, knowing that he, while we were still sinners, he sent Jesus to die for us, knowing that he loves us so much more than we deserve, I think it's easy to be thankful to him for all that he's given to us. Easy may not be the right word, but easier. The Christian, most Christians first have become Christians because they fear hell and they don't want to go to hell. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's entry-level Christianity. And then we start to get excited about heaven and we start to grow up. But if it ends there, we've, our growth is stunted. The ultimate expression of the Christian faith isn't that we follow God because we don't want to go to hell. It's not even that we follow God because we want to go to heaven. We follow God because he is God, because he is worthy of being followed regardless of the rewards. There are rewards, not always in this life. And so we look to the examples of all the people in the Bible, and we say, in this life, in this life, their lives were pretty rough. But he was still worth following. And I pray that that's the case for our faith, that even in the difficult times, we can praise God and know that that he loves us, that he is faithful to us, and that we can be counted faithful to him and worthy even to suffer on, on his behalf in his name.